We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA Podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you late Saturday evening after the Wolves lost to the Blazers in Portland 124 to 118. We don't normally do immediate night of podcast. We're going to kind of throw this one off the cuff in a recap, I guess, of the Portland game. We also want to talk a little bit about Utah, but the reason I'm doing a night of podcast tonight is because I'm here in Portland, or was in Portland for this one. I guess I'm still in Portland. Uh, and Kyle, I figured we'd uh, we just get into what we saw in this game, what we heard in the locker room afterwards. You're here with me. Obviously, this is home base for you. What's up? Yeah, this is the West Coast offices for the Dane Moore Media Empire. <laughs> um, and yeah, it kind of like we were saying on the drive back, Tonight's game was much, much better. Just a better game than like that Hornets situation sure. after Thanksgiving, right? But in the podcast schedule, um, kind of like that Thanksgiving weekend where it's like the Wolves are, came off their probably signature win of the season 24 hours ago in Utah, Rudy's return against the Jazz. Um, and then second night, back-to-back, both road games. Um, and... I thought we'll get into it. And then there's some stats that actually kind of make you a little more disappointed that they dropped this one, but played pretty well. Effort wasn't really a problem for most of the game. Just no real excuses. And I know we're going to dive into some things, but just kind of ran out of gas uh, at the end of the third and then just didn't execute down the down the stretch in the fourth and got out shot and dropped one that they definitely could have had. Yeah, I, I don't I don't take this one like you're saying the, the the Charlotte games or anything to be similar to the Charlotte yeah, right. game or, or anything close to the beginning of the season. It it does feel to me in ways like one that that sort of slipped away, but I don't I, I, I wouldn't if I were a Wolves fan be having one of these really like this, this game really stinging or one of those where you're like pouting afterwards, I guess, where you're like, what what is this team? What's happening? I actually I don't know, maybe it's sort of a product of of these last three or four games. I'm kind of encouraged in in a lot of ways by the product as a whole over over the last four. And that's specific to, you know, what D'Angelo Russell's been able to do recently, you know, more so in the Utah game than Portland. 
But tonight, man, just just being there and watching Rudy be an offensive force is is something that I I, I think we I want to hit on for sure because I was as listeners who have, have listened all season know I I was very perplexed frustrated with at times the way they were using Rudy offensively uh, this season. I kind of bagged on the idea of quote unquote unlocking Rudy and being something different than he was um, in Utah. That didn't really make sense to me and not that it's been perfect and and not that they, I, I still don't think it's a great idea to completely go away from what made Rudy impactful in Utah as an offensive player but I'd be lying if I said, you know, this, what they're doing with Rudy offensively isn't getting better, right? It is. He has been more forceful offensively, and it is not in just straight pick and roll ways. That is, that's very, that should be very encouraging, I think, to all Wolves fans that the vision of what Chris Finch wants to do with Rudy offensively and his pretty much steadfastly stuck to um, is starting to, you know, reap some, some benefits for this team in, in terms of offense. I think that's when I reflect back or re- remember back on this game or this pocket of games after Rudy said, you know, you're going to start seeing the real Rudy about three, four games ago. It's not often what players say that and you kind of do see uh, a shift. And, and that's been, that's been pretty palpable for me over this Unfortunately, the, the time that, that Carl's been out as well. Have you been seeing that as well? Yeah. And again, let's just get it off. Let's just put it out there now. Disappointing loss. Like, just because they played, like you said, this wasn't the Hornets comp. Like, they just, they played pretty well. I mean, they had the lead at halftime. Like, you know, again, it's a, these back-to-back when they're both road games are really difficult, uh, especially when you're in a shootout like you were tonight. I mean, you came into a game where Portland's backcourt had a combined 60, I think 68 points between Simons and Lillard, but uh, on the Rudy, I mean, Rudy, Rudy Gobert tonight just looked like what I remember what he looked like in Utah all those years, right? Just dunking and finishing everything. Yeah, but in ways he didn't, too. Right, right. It, it is like, yes, Rudy in Utah dunked and finished everything, but I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, a high percentage of that time, that was off of just pick and rolls and he was, and he was floating to the rim. This was a lot more of I mean, Rudy was even doing the like off the dribble thing, attack, like going at Eubanks, going at Nurkic. Some of the things that when we watched the first five, eight games of the season, we were kind of like, what the hell? Why is this the plan with Rudy Gobert and not what they did in Utah? Like this is this is Rudy playing as more of a traditional offensive center than just a diving pick and roll type center. And to, to some extent, that's encouraging because this is the way the coach wants him to play offensively. Right. Well, and and my take of this was what I remember Rudy Gobert looking like in Utah was one of our jokes this summer when they made the Gobert trade is that you thought you were going to get a guy who had much better hands than Jared Vanderbilt, right? Because as, as much as we love Vando, like that was one of his kind of bugaboos was just not being able. I hit you four different times. Like there were. Rudy Gobert caught passes at all levels, right? He sure. caught lobs. He caught him at his head. He caught him at his waist. And then he had this one from Kyle Anderson that was damn near his shoelaces. Mm-hmm. So it's just, to your point, yeah, he was being used in different ways. But I just, he was kind of catching everything tonight. His hands have been really good. Uh, I think tonight was like 
the first time he's had 20 points in consecutive games all season. So again, you're starting to see again, albeit in a loss, like just a kind of a dominant performance from your center. Um, the rebound numbers weren't there. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit, but yeah, you're, you're starting to see Rudy unlocked, but not in the way where it's like, Hey, can you give us a, a dream shake? Right. Like real authentic ways that are productive, like his field goal percentage. This is why the guy that led the league in you know, field goal percentage. It's like, he just is around the rim, whether it be tips, catching lobs, or in some of these more creative ways. Um, and then the free throw thing too, is just my thing, but he is giving you respectable numbers from the free throw line. Yeah. We often talk about like guard, like strong at the rim guards are North South players, right. Rather than East West. Like I feel like at the beginning of the season, though, like restricted to the restricted area, Rudy was going too much East West. And a lot of times that was the, the yeah. dream shake or it was like going at the basket and like using his wingspan to like try and finish a layup in a fancy sort of way. Right. And now it's it again, three, four games. It's been a lot more direct. Right. It's like catch dunk. It's 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 at the rim or if it is off the dribble, it's like he's not meandering as much. And and again, I, I, I think that's growth. We uh, we asked Rudy about this in the locker room after the game, just sort of his his offensive evolution. Here's Rudy. A couple games back, like we're starting to see the real Rudy. What what has kind of changed offensively for you this last few games? I mean, I just try to I just try to yeah, be aggressive. Uh, you know, uh, I think. My teammates are starting to, yeah, we're starting to get uh, to know each other a little better. And uh, this, you know, there's some trust that, you know, has been coming along. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, it can be a lot better than that. But um, I think we're really tough to guard when we move the ball like we did tonight. Is that when Coach talked about um, wanting to, like, unlock you and use you in, in different ways than Utah? Is that kind of what this is? Is that just more aggression on, on your part of looking for shot in more ways? I think, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we, I think our offense is uh, designed a little different than the Utah offense, but, uh, you know, I think it's just about moving the ball for me, just getting to my spots and be aggressive. And, you know, I think, uh, I think I'm still getting better Every year, I think I'm a better player today than I was last year. And, uh, you know, and I'm just trying to, yeah, uh, show that every night. So, Kyle, I, when we're seeing this from Rudy, and we didn't see it at the beginning of the season, there's there's two factors, right? There's the, it's now 26 games into the season. So it makes sense that there's some natural chemistry he's developed with teammates that playing a different style of offense is something he's gotten better with in time. But then the real elephant in the room or not currently in the room is Carl not being here. Right. And, and the question I have and want to think about more over the coming weeks is can Rudy be this version of himself offensively with Carl? And also can D'Angelo be the offensive player that he's been recently with Carl back in the mix. I've personally tried to stay away from any sort of really just even talking about cat being out all that much in this time, because I do think, you know, it's important for this team to kind of be focused on the now and, and the roster that they have, you know, that, that they have available to them at this time. But 
maybe it's in a loss and maybe it's in a close loss where it just felt like they lacked even just a little bit more. They they lacked a little bit of offensive juice that would have gone up, could have gone a long way in being able to win this game. You wonder if Carl was in this game, does he provide that extra juice? And, you know, Carl is a top whatever player in the league. The answer to that on paper would seem to be an obvious yes, that he would buy them a few points in that game and maybe the result's different. But we watched those first however many games that that or 21 games that Carl did play and have watched these last five now without him. And and it doesn't seem like an obvious answer that Cat would have necessarily provided that that extra juice that it maybe would have been in maybe at best a net neutral or maybe even hurt because there were some of those issues in terms of spacing, schemes, rotations, all those sort of things when they were playing two bigs. Just broadly, like, do you what what comes to your mind when you think about Carl's absence in these last few games and where it would have helped or potentially hurt to have him in these games? I mean, they since he since he would you never want to they lost tonight, right? <laughs> yes, they did. Kind of put me in a blender there. Um and you never shot. want to lose, you never want to see a guy get injured. But since that Washington game, I mean it was followed up what immediately with the Grizzlies game. This just aesthetically looks better. This all just I mean, they did drop that game to the Thunder, but that's kind of like an asterisk game. They lost it, but you know, if Rudy plays 35 minutes in that game, like are we looking at a team that's kind of like four and one since Carl got injured? But it just seems like and it puts Carl in a tough spot and it puts fans in a tough spot because when you remove him, everyone now is just looks more comfortable, right? Like D'Lo looks more comfortable. Rudy looks far more comfortable. Ant has more space. Um, so then that's where you get the people that are like, this team's better without Carl, trade cat, all those things. But then you look at coming, for example, for a night, second game, back to back on the road. They just were, they didn't have enough firepower, right? They just, they didn't have enough juice. Um, the bench was, I know Nas Reed had like a season high 15 points. And, it, you know, a good 15 points, but it was just, the bench was bad. The bench was, they didn't have enough juice from them. Jaden had nine points. Kyle Anderson was, again, phenomenal. But you're going to need more scoring and just more ammo to win these types of games and to win playoff series. Um, so I don't really have, what a terrible answer, by the way, but it's just, I will say that that's why I kept saying well, like, the answer can be that, like, I think Carl would have definitely helped in this game and maybe not have helped in a major way in some of the other previous games. Like, we, we don't know where th- th- these are unknowable things. There were they're philosophical questions, right, of of how will and can Carl plug back into this? And I mean, I. I think about two major trends with this team, right? Rebounding and three-point shooting. I think you look at the Wolves being one of the lowest volume three-point shooting teams in the league since Carl's been out. Correct. After not having been necessarily high before, but they're missing that. That that's that I think is an obvious area in which not that you would want to just limit Carl to the Kyle Anderson role, but if you gave him the Kyle Anderson role and he was spaced out on the floor more like you would this team would be injected with three-point shooting in a major way that I think would very obviously move the needle. 
What I find con- concerning about these past five games is they have still gone to two big looks at times with Rudy and Nas, not just tonight, but and that has continued to look awkward when they've played yep. too big. Yep. And and so maybe part of it is Rudy playing with the second big is is more cumbersome. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before with with the Utah and and what they did and they were at one level with favors and when they moved on from favors into more of a wing type of small ball four in Bogdanovich that made a big difference for Gobert. And so I don't know. I, I think it I think one it's interesting that Finch is continuing to play both Nas and Rudy together. But it is kind of astounding how terribly they rebound in the minutes when it's both Nas and Rudy out there, the basically as big of a lineup as you can play, and they are not addressing the rebounding issues, just like Rudy and Kat didn't address those those rebounding issues in many ways. Sometimes you see Nas and Rudy kind of in each other's way offensively too, as I think we saw at times uh, with Rudy and Carl, though Carl did a much better job of of feeding Rudy. I don't know. I, I think I think the thing that just keeps catching me is whenever we've seen two bigs on the floor this season, Nas and Rudy, Carl and Rudy, Carl and Nas, it's almost universally been awkward and in the these five games when it's i don't know probably 90 percent of the time it has just been one big that those are the times where i see d'angelo russell looking more confident that's where i see this unlocked version of rudy gobert and and that's and that's why i say again i don't know that's why i say for the last time you never want anyone to get hurt you hope carl gets better you know asap and can get back out there but there was no way to truly discover that like this one big thing was really gonna yeah. be prosperous. If so- it sounds terrible, if someone doesn't get hurt, because they're you know what I mean. Like you weren't gonna Chris Finch wasn't gonna twenty six games into the season be like, okay, you know what, I'm gonna bring Carl off the bench, like that. You know that they were just gonna have to keep kind of square pegging, round holing things until they figured it out. I do think, and he was phenomenal again tonight, and you've made the comp you know, weeks ago or whatever, is that you you always talked about the Derek Favors thing and then kind of going to a Joe Ingles. Kyle Anderson, and he said it tonight kind of off the cuff in the locker room, like, Kyle Anderson is Joe Ingles, right? So can Carl come back? I mean, Kyle Anderson's phenomenal. That dude has been so much fun to watch, and he is, like, pseudo their point guard now, right? And he I was, like, second in the team tonight in rebounds. Um, he gave them a little scoring punch, but to answer the question that you and I are both just kind of looking at each other now, like, can Carl come back and just be a much more aggressive Kyle Anderson, right? Like, can he be, cause when Carl comes back, he's going to start, right? You know what I mean? Like alongside Rudy. So you're probably not going to start Kyle Anderson anymore. So like, can Carl just be what Kyle Anderson is and what Kyle Anderson said tonight after the game was. I've just watched a lot of Joe Ingles footage to kind of get my chemistry with Rudy going. Today's show is sponsored by Falling Knife Brewing Company, located in Northeast Minneapolis. And I've been telling you about Falling Knife's tap room all season as a place to go to check out Wolves games on Wolves game nights. They have the projector screen where they have the Wolves game playing. They got the sound on in there. It's been a place 
that Wolves fans are gathering to go watch games this season. And we want to continue to, you know, to push you to check out the tap room for a game night if you haven't done that yet. But also want to remind you that you can go to a following knife on on nights or days that that the Wolves are not playing. It's a good place to go with coworkers for happy hours. They at Falling Knife have actually expanded their, their weekday hours, Monday through Thursday. They're now opening at 3 p.m. And on Fridays, they're opening at 2 p.m. So if you're, you know, busy on Wolves nights or you like to you like to watch at home, that's okay. But we'd still like you to check out Falling Knife's tap room again, located in northeast Minneapolis. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company. This episode is brought to you by Land and Lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land and Lore is made with all natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land and Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold Hayneedle.com to Mark Laurie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well. But the primary reason to try Land and Lore is because everyone loves it. There's no risk. And you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit, and I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before, but now that I've used Land and Lore, I'll never not use skincare. I just feel better. So check out landandlore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane NBA, no spaces for 15% off at landandlore.com. That's L-A-N-D-L-O-R-E.com. Yeah, it's, I think there's an interesting question of what ways can Carl play like Kyle Anderson and which ways can't he or shouldn't he, right? And it's interesting to think about what has been working with Kyle, right? Um, everything. Uh, yeah, well, uh, honestly, uh, a lot of it has been working. One one thing that has, I mean, tonight notwithstanding, but like the shooting's kind of been there. He's been when they do run that spread pick and roll. Kyle's in there in the corner, and he's been making corner threes at you know a forty some percent clip, like you would assume Cat would, right? So that you know that seems like something that can be duplicated. But what I think we've really seen is is Anderson's ability to take it off the dribble and get into that sort of six foot range where he can kind of last second decide between whether he's going to take one of his like leaning sort of floaters or drop it off to Rudy. And, and that's been, that's been a, a super impactful thing as well. It's kind of like a, I'm, I'm just trying to give one football analogy every podcast, but it is like a little like run play action, like a little RPO <laughs> yeah. where it's like until the last second, it's like I'm either going to lob it or I'm just going to have this weird push shot from like eight or nine feet. And he's shooting 110% on these little running push shots. But I did just want to say on your comment about like putting Kyle in the corner or shooting threes, four games now, I think like 110 minutes in the month of December, Kyle Anderson has taken one three-pointer and he missed it. But I'm just saying, it's so like that's four games, four games now yeah. where he hasn't hit a three. So not to push back on, because I was thinking that too. It's just like he's not giving you the floor spacing, right? And that's that's where it's like, can Carl be <laughs> souped up, Kyle Anderson? Because when you play, I mean, the Kyle Anderson Rudy stuff has been phenomenal, but you are automatically two guys who aren't shooters, right. right? So you are. That's part of the volume that's not happening. That's part of the reason that you're bringing, you know, 
knife to a gunfight type stuff. Um, but again, I don't want to really poo poo anything Kyle Anderson does because I was just, I just watched that guy all night. I was like, I was floored by everything he does. Every decision he makes for the most part is smart. And he's the guy now with Carl out that gets Rudy engaged and keeps him fed on the offensive end. Rudy talked about his, his chemistry growing with Kyle Anderson after the game is Rudy. Seems like you and Kyle have a, a growing chemistry. Out there with some yeah. Like I mean, it's Kyle makes it easy for everyone around him. You know, he's just such a smart player. And like I said, you know, I just got to be at the right spot. And uh, and with Kyle, the ball, the ball is going to come to you. So um, there's no magic in it. You know, it's just, it's nothing different than I've done before. It's just, you know, uh, the ball is moving and I just got to be at the right spot and then just uh, be ready to finish strong and, you know, and play basketball. If the defense collapse, uh, I, mean, I have the ability to find the shooters. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, free throw line is big for me. So the the difference there, the thing that stands out to me, if, if you were to like think about that through a cat lens is like cat isn't necessarily easy and simple to play with. Right. Like right. Kyle is just so much more like slow and deliberate. And, and whereas cats drives, you know, he's trying to get by his guy. Kyle's kind of fine with letting the guy stay in front of him and then taking that space. And by doing that, he's a little bit more slowed down so he can find Rudy on those drop-offs on the drive. Like it's not that Carl can't find Rudy. We saw that a ton right at the beginning of the season, but that is, that is a different way there. So, I mean, I, I get what we're saying with like the, the souped up Kyle Anderson. I just think that, the way that applies is in the times when Kyle is a floor spacer, whether he's shooting the threes or oh, not, yeah, and just yeah. sort of playing out of the corner. I think I think those guys can play out of the corner in a similar way, but and not that you're exclusively going to lose use Carl in the in the corner. You're going to use him in other areas, but that's an area I think they oddly can play function similarly. It's that like delay action at the top, right, with with Carl where he's trying to attack the basket off of that that's where it's very different and i think it's hard it's going to be hard to duplicate what what kyle has done with rudy there and and you know what and he doesn't carl doesn't need to be kyle anderson they're not going to use him like kyle's kyle anderson as many comparisons as as we make again to use the utah stuff like anderson compared himself to joe ingles the thing we've i've been bringing up is the idea that carl can be a significantly better bogdanovich Right. Yeah. Yeah. And those are those are different things, different roles, different types of players who have who have worked with Rudy. So I, I don't know. I, I just found myself in this game more than any of the other non cat games thinking about cat having been there. And I thought about that going into the fourth quarter, like you said, as, as the plays just kind of went on a little run to maybe take a two point lead going into the fourth. And. And I was thinking to myself at this time, this isn't a game where the Wolves like have a talent advantage, right? Right. Yeah. So for them to have won that fourth quarter, they would have needed to get better whistles. And they got that. That's one thing that they didn't. But they were going to have to out execute the Blazers right in the fourth right. quarter, which which they did not do. Had Carl been in the mix, I think you do have that talent advantage going into the fourth quarter. So you can play. I mean, let's be real like this Wolves team. It's not an execution team right now. They are a talent team and a little sloppy, right? Um, and they make up for that, the turnovers and those sort of things, by being individual dominant scores. This was a game where in the fourth quarter, 
as Finch called it, calls it, they need that sort of on-demand scoring. And those are the times where Carl and Kyle are completely uncomparable. So as just, I feel like a lot of people in the Wolves space have thought about, oh, you know, it's just better without Cat. I'm not, I'm not dismissing the the issues that were there when when Carl is out there with Rudy and the ways that that held this team back. But I think tonight served as an example of a time where you could have used Carl and it and it would have been for profit and maybe made a difference in this game. And I think those things are important to track as when inevitably, you know, a few weeks, month, whatever from now, Carl returns and we start talking about, oh, my God, like. Are they going to get worse without Carl? They're not going to get worse across the board. There will be areas where obviously his his impact will be felt and and made a difference. And I'm just I don't know, glad to have kind of thought that and seen that in ways tonight. It's actually pretty simple to me. To me, it's like the glass half empty is that at some this has looked better for a week since Carl's been out. And the glass half empty take is that well, Carl's going to come back. So does that mean it's going to get worse again? <laughs> right? But the glass half full, and this goes back to the blessing in disguise, is that I honestly thought that those first 24 minutes against the Wizards a week and a half ago or whatever was the low point of the season. Just getting thoroughly spanked by a not good team, right? Porzingis just spotting up all over the court. So by removing Carl for a month, everyone, I mean, Kyle Anderson... I think three times in his last four outings has had 10, five and five. So in four games, he's done that three times. He'd only wow. done it like 19 times in his first eight seasons in the league. That's significant. So again, like removing Carl, you're going to have, we're going to have to address this at some point. Like we're going to f- be talking about this a lot come January, but everyone is trying is finding themselves more. Kyle Anderson is playing his best basketball in Minnesota and is, you know, kind of starting to take a leap. Delo has been the best version of himself all season. And then we just talked about for 20 minutes, like Rudy, this is what you thought the best version of Rudy could look like. So the glass half full take is that if everyone kind of understands, remember last year when Pat Bev took everyone out for dinner and was like, what's your role? Like, it kind of seems like everyone now is figuring out what their role is. And can you just kind of sprinkle Carl in around the edges or, you know, fit him into a new spot when he comes back? That would be the glass half full take. The last half empty take is that he's going to marginalize what these guys are starting to do. But for now, there is no Carl. There is no Carl next week. There's no Carl the week after. Uh, and I think you're starting to see, I mean, the Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert thing has been awesome. It's been really, really cool to watch. And it's probably only going to get better as those guys play more together. Yeah, I, I think both things could be true, right? Like these guys have developed more chemistry because Carl was out. And the idea that they can keep that chemistry or... Right. Some of that chemistry once once Carl returns, like. Had Carl played all 82 games and Rudy played all 82 games. That this team would have hit more of a rhythm at some point, right? It I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have been 50 plus wins, but they would have started playing at a higher level eventually. And and I think a lot of that, as the players and coaches have been saying, was going to be a product of time. I think while we're seeing this team generally play better in in Cat's absence, some of that is a product of just having had more time. And and some of that is from just naturally with Carl out, the roles make more sense, even if they, they didn't have dinner 
together, you know, but it's, it's both. And, and we're not going to know the answer until we're not going to know it when Carl's first game back or even first five games back, it's then going to be told that that is all going to be answered in the next, that next chapter, right? We had the first 21 games of the season, right? With when Carl and Rudy were both playing and it was up and down, mostly down. This chunk of time is going to have, is going to be its own story, like chapter two, right? When we in that we've seen, we've seen more D'Lo, we've seen more Rudy. That's great. We'll see how the rest of it plays out. It's probably going to be another 10, 15 games or something. And then chapter three will be with with Cat back in the mix, and and we're we're going to figure it out from there. And while people are going to want to have oh you know get rid of Carl conversations, I think the reality of this situation is. It won't be until chapter three is like completed that you we can even really draw any sort of conclusions about what does and does not work. Though I think there's reason to believe that it could go both ways, right? That they could they could not be as good of a team, or not that Carl doesn't really elevate the ceiling here, or he could work back in the mix. He's generally been a pretty like fungible player for his career playing with lots of different guys different roles um i'm i'm just i'm fascinated to see that when the time comes it was just odd tonight i don't know it's the first time i really found myself thinking a lot about it in the midst of 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 one specific game when to and to sum up this game your tweet said it all and you said it again on this you you kind of nudged me right when the fourth quarter started and like they don't they don't have a talent advantage here and that, I mean, the you know, Ant had what I would deem was a pretty quiet, awesome night. <laughs> 26, 7, and 6 on 50% shooting from, you know, from the field, including 50% from three. D'Lo was 4 or 5 from three, 9 of 15 from the field. I mean, they got a lot of production from, you know, now they're pseudo big three and Rudy and D'Lo and Ant. But the second night, back-to-back, second road game, like, you just needed more punch for what was a gunfight and you got 21 points on 21 shots from your bench that's where you need carl that's where you need someone else again kyle anderson didn't take a three jade mcdowns didn't grab a rebound you got outshot from three and you got out rebounded by a significant margin again like that's why you can't just put carl's things in a bag and send them to the airport you need more in a game like this and they didn't have it and that's ultimately why they lost kyle let's move on to talking a little bit about that utah game yeah let's do it <laughs> uh specifically uh obviously what what d'angelo russell did in that game but i, I want to start by just playing uh a clip from rudy on just kind of he's talked all season about learning his teammates right and i think something he's learned in this you know these past four games is about d'angelo in the fourth and how that is a is a different player a different, you know, you kind of have to accommodate for that, that he plays more aggressive and he's kind of straight up better in, in the fourth quarter. We asked him about that after the game. Uh, here's Rudy on D'Lo. Getting to know your teammates, specifically D'Angelo kind of has an aptitude for the fourth. What is that like to, to kind of acclimate to and know that's kind of a time where he kind of spends his wings on offensive Yeah, just try to... Just like with everybody else, you know, and especially with Dilo, just try to um, give him an advantage, you know, put him in a situation for him to be able to do what he does. And 
And once again, just like we talk about Kai, like Dilo is gonna, you know, it's gonna, he sees the floor, so he's gonna, he's gonna be able to make the right play, and he also has the ability to, to, uh, yeah, to, to be a really good closer in the fourth, and and he's, he's never faced by any moment. So it's, you know, I, I always tell him, you know, I get you open, uh, and and then you do you. So to kind of tie this into what we were talking about before with Kyle and Rudy and and all those sort of things, I think Kyle is uh, an interesting character in this D'Lo factor here as well in that I, I don't have this clip, but I think a lot of people saw D'Lo's comments after they they won that game in Utah where he talked about a shift in sort of mindset, really a shift in a mindset as it connects to what position he plays. And, and Dio's talked about that before, right? The idea of he's more of like a combo guard rather than a point guard. And he, he talked about at the beginning of the season, just having the wrong mindset of him, just embracing the idea that he's the point guard of the team and trying to get everybody involved. Coach wanted him to do that. Carl being out puts Kyle Anderson into the starting lineup, which they're both power forwards, Kyle and Carl. Kyle Anderson is also kind of a point guard and that allows D'Lo to play more in that combo guard type of role where it's off the ball. Utah game is a little funky where he makes those six threes in the third. It's it almost all came against like a zone defense for, for the jazz, but you know, Kyle played a pretty instrumental role in that being able to happen, whether it was Kyle kind of initiating the zone offense or Kyle was, you know, kind of at the free throw line there as the, you know, the guy you get it to in the middle of the zone and finding D'Lo off of those things. So again, to tie to the theme of, of Cat being there, not being there, you wonder how much of this version of D'Lo, particularly fourth quarter D'Lo, you can get if Kyle's not on the floor, right? In, in those fourth quarter minutes, because you would assume once this team's back at full strength, the closing lineup goes back to being Rudy, Carl, McDaniels, Ant, and D'Lo, and Anderson's not in the mix there. Can you still have D'Lo playing in an off-ball role where he could score for you at a high level? That's another variable we need to think about and talk about as we start picturing Carl back in the mix. I thought we said a lot of good things about the Rudy Gobert experience. I thought we touched on Kyle. We haven't really talked about Ant, but I mean, he's been phenomenal both sides of the ball. In the month of December, D'Angelo Russell is averaging 28 points a game. He's shooting 62% from the field, and he's shooting 50% from three. He's also averaging four assists, right? He has pretty much, you know, when when, <laughs> when Gerson Rosas acquired him, he made like the, that's, how, that's my James Harden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much since the day he got to Minnesota, and I think even before Minnesota, D'Angelo Russell has prided himself on being like, don't, give me a label like don't put me I'm not a point guard like I'm a combo guard and stuff and I know that I'm kind of jumping around here but he's playing quite possibly his best basketball in a Timberwolves uniform again like to all the points that you just said like being an off-ball guard um, not having to like I mean he's just I he said in that quote he's like I'm thinking less I'm just I'm just hooping right basically uh, and he's been I mean I thought he was really good again tonight but um, but that but the but the question is can he play that I'm not thinking I'm just hooping version of himself 
when he needs to be more conscientious about being a point guard when both Carl and Rudy are on the floor. Well, and okay, now we're just going to go chicken and egg for the next 30 minutes, right? But yeah, that's like yeah. that's like kind of my thing about being, can Carl be souped up Kyle Anderson, right? Because I have that quote in the back of my head from three and a half weeks ago when D'Lo, when Carl had an eight assist game, whatever, and D'Lo's like, yeah, Carl can lead us in assists. Well, can Carl just <laughs> have eight assists a game then doing the Kyle Anderson stuff and allow D'Lo to continue to play off the ball? Or again, chicken or egg, when Carl does come back, it's just like, no, like Carl can't do what Kyle can do as a big as a big point guard basically like we got to put the ball in Dilo's hands more than that well he can't i mean carl right carl can't play point guard like kyle anderson can play point guard no one really can yeah well <laughs> true but it's it's finding places and i guess and just kind of think about this on, on the fly you remember like again the first saunders rosa's year where it was that five out offense and carl was quote unquote the quarterback of the offense at the top of the key it's when he was shooting yeah 11 of those threes i mean that's the way I would envision you using Carl as more of an initiator at the top and having D'Lo play off of that. Now, it's not going to be five out because Rudy's there. I don't know exactly how that would all come together, but I don't. I think the answer is to answer my own question is, no, I don't think Carl can play the same way Kyle does, which will have some sort of residual impact on D'Lo. Not necessarily worse or better, but I... It, it won't be it won't be the same and and i think just like the everything being a little funkier with two bigs the rebounding even being funkier with two bigs a lot of the things that have worked which i think again point to the three best players on the team right now in carl's absence you know in delo ant and rudy like they all in their own ways have seemed to benefit by not having a, a second big out there we haven't even really talked about ant but this has kind of been a theme all season, right? He kind of seems most turned on in the offensively in the minutes that he's out there with Nas, right? And it is more the spread floor. There isn't bigs, you know, clogging the lane in that sort of way. Like these are the things that Finch is going to have to figure out because Carl isn't Carl isn't Kyle Anders. He, he isn't really like any of these people. It in what anyone else on the team. In what ways can he? benefit Rudy, D'Lo, and Ant in the same way that his absence has benefited those guys. Like that's ultimately going to determine this whole experiment, right? And I think it's going to take another experiment. Like that's what I'm saying. We got to kind of have that whole extra chapter to to be able to figure it out. Cause I don't I I don't see obvious answers to how you just plug him in and get the same version of the other three best players playing this ex- this same way, I think they're going to have to shift again in into into something new, um, and and then and that's not right now. They can continue continue playing this way for now, but it is something for us to keep at least in the back of our minds. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Russell scored 20 plus points in four consecutive games, which has tied his longest 20 plus point streak of his career since joining the Wolves. So if you needed a little extra something, something kind of backs up the idea that he's, you know, from an offensive standpoint, playing probably the best basketball of his Timberwolves career. So I don't want to steal the baton from you, but the to sum it all up, I think we're saying the same thing on different lanes of the highway. Like the Carl thing needs to be in the back of our mind because he is still a key foundational piece of all of this, no matter how you move forward with him. Um, But he's not here right now. He's not in Portland. He won't be in Portland on Monday. He won't be on the rest of the road trip. Um, And again, they lost tonight. Disappointing one, especially when like, I think I saw that they like out, outscored Portland 56, 46 in the paint outshot them 54 to 51%. Like, a game that you pretty much should have just kind of won. Um, but everyone else with Carl's absence is playing really good basketball. And short-term, I know we've talked about long-term, short-term, that should keep you even at what now, 13 and 13? That should keep you pretty optimistic. You started this off by saying you were encouraged. You should be encouraged about this team running it back on Monday against a team that I didn't, I mean, I wasn't. I, oh, I, I am encouraged very much about the non cat wolves like mm-hmm. th- like this version of this team being i, I kind of went into the the non cat time of being like give me 500 basketball but with growth happening and and i think that to me is sort of feeling closer to like the baseline of of what this this group is going to have right and and i think I, I think, given what I've seen from Rudy and Dilo, probably, probably even better than that. So, it it it's not condemning anything. It's it's just also acknowledging that it is again going to be different. I don't feel confident that it's going to be a seamless shift back to Carl right. yes. what, whatsoever. Right. But in the interim, I feel I do feel pretty good about who and and what the Timberwolves are. We've seen like. None of those just, oh, boom, all of a sudden the Wolves are down by 20 things that were happening so often in the, you know, in the pre-cat time where, or or they would get up big and then boom, it'd be back down to even. I guess the Indiana game, they did that, right? And there was no Carl. They got up by 20. Yeah. The lead went away. And then I guess they. The, game the, of runs. Yeah, that, that one was game of runs. But like, there's, the Wolves were hitting this type of flatness really often when when Carl was in the mix right and it would just stall the game out for extended periods of time I don't feel that happening with this group right now which to me is encouraging and to me says they're going to be at least a a 500 team in in his absence so long as that holds and and that I I don't know I mean that's kind of what I was I was hopeful to see and kind of excited to see in 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 Cat's absence and and for that to you know simultaneously come with D'Lo playing 
I don't know if it's his best basketball as a Timberwolf, but it's certainly up there. And and Rudy certainly is playing his best basketball as a Timberwolf. Like, yeah, I think he should be extremely encouraged by the the level of play the Wolves are having. And and even tonight's game, you could have used Carl. You could have used a little bit more of a talent punch. I think they got a tough whistle tonight. That that <laughs> that happens. And 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 that cost them probably a couple of you know points in the aggregate. But yeah, again, I, I keep repeating myself. I'm I'm encouraged by the non cat wolves right now. They were a below average basketball team prior to losing Carl. Yeah. Right. And since they lost Carl, they're three and two. Again, we're just I'm probably gonna say small sample size until the snow thaws, but they they look like a more professional better basketball team these last five games that has again we just talked about this for like 45 minutes we're not trying to trade someone or move but like they just seem like they have a little more stability everyone knows their role they're a little less volatile i mean that the volatility speaks to what you just said right they're they're not flatlining they're not just kind of passing out on the court and giving up these long extreme runs um they're you know again they're three and two that thunder game is probably something that haunts you a little bit that you're like we should have been four and one losing a game like that um but in the short term, again, for these next couple of weeks without Carl, while these other guys continue to develop their roles and kind of find themselves, uh, you have to be, I mean, I don't know how you can be anything other than optimistic. This has looked like a pretty fun basketball team. Again, I know it sucks that we're doing this on a Saturday after the Blazers game, but last night, 24 hours ago, that was the signature win of the season. That was a 48-minute game where you took a team's best punch. Yeah, they were out with, they were without marketing and Sexton. It's like, you were without TP and Carl, like. That was their best win of the season, and they looked like a team that that translates to how the playoffs led. That's a playoff team last night. So, yeah, they, it, it's it's not a team that has the same ceiling as we thought this team would have going into the season with with Carl in the mix. That it doesn't like. I don't think this Wolves team, if you know Carl would have missed the entire season, this group would have been. We would have picked them to be high forties or in the fifties, but. You know they're they are a competitive team in the West, and and that that's the job right now, right? The job right now is to be a competitive team in the West that is growing, and then you know when the time comes, we'll have some bigger conversations. Though more importantly, they'll have some bigger conversations about how and where you put Carl back into the mix of this thing, and try to solve that equation. Because I promise you, they will try to solve that equation before they get to the end of the equation that it seems like a ton of the fan base has gotten to of, Oh, Carl's just got to go. And, and I'm not even completely poo pooing that. I, I understand. I understand why that's what people think. There's, they have some fatigue with Carl. They didn't, maybe didn't like the trade in the first place because they theorized that two bigs wouldn't work. Like, yeah, if that was your theory, like you're winning. Right. But I promise you from like a, what a what is going to happen in the organization from an organizational standpoint they are going to try and figure out how carl can be a ceiling raiser for this current group before they start thinking about anything elsewhere and i think that's just i'm not not trying to tell people what to think i just think that's the way to go through this season because if like capital if they're going to make changes. It is not, it is not going to be happening anytime soon. I would just say like, enjoy this. So it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid basketball team that maybe when, if when Carl's back, they can be a 
really good basketball team. Like, we'll see. Like, Finch has got to figure that out. I'm guilty of this a lot, but I like to do, like, Captain Hindsight. Like, oh, if that would have happened, that would have happened. Put all of that aside and just simply say, had they have closed out tonight's game, they'd have been 14 and 12 and they'd be the sixth seed. After all the shit <laughs> that we've put up with these first 26 games and the roller coaster has gone up, down, and done six different spirals, they would have been six. Now they're 11th. Facts are facts. But I'm just saying, like, that one game to close it out, I mean, they were up at half. They had a 10-point lead with three minutes left. And I kind of wanted to take everything we just talked about and go right back into, like, a little quick two-minute game recap. Like, they had the game 10-point lead in that late in the third quarter. We talked about how they, I mean, Austin Rivers, who I'm, I think his on-ball defense is really good. He got a tough whistle, and then he gave them nothing offensively. Like, Jill and Noel gave them nothing. They were just kind of really naked for points <laughs> to close that third and stuff. Um, but I just kind of wanted to think, you know, to throw it back to those final 15 or so minutes, what were your biggest takeaway? Because something I noticed on Twitter when we were driving home is like a lot of upset people at Finch. Uh, he had that weird timeout, um, which he kind of explained after the game. I mean, I got it in the moment. I was like, he took it because he's going to lose it. But, you know, he immediately dapped himself up. and was like, I, I shouldn't have done that. That's my bad. So what was just kind of, you know, your 15, the final 15 minutes is when they kind of dropped the ball or dropped the baton. What did you think about that? Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I thought, I mean, kind of that happened right in front of us at, at the stadium. And I think Shaden Sharp fell over. So the Wolves had a fast break. I don't think Finch saw him fall over there. And it was a use it or lose it timeout. He he called it there. It was a mistake. He copped to in the moment. He copped to in the, the press conference afterwards. And they were also down to, right? So maybe they go get a layup, right? Right. I was, I have been confused at times about some of Chris Finch's timeouts, or I don't know, sometimes it's like he's saving them to give to Ryan Saunders for Christmas, but they didn't lose the game because Chris Finch called a timeout with 3.30 left in a, in a two-point game, right? Like, it was a boneheaded mistake. He made some other kind of weird decisions throughout the last couple of games, but um, yeah, that wasn't the reason they lost the game, <laughs> because he called a timeout there, but it was a tough spot. And then just, you know, again, their inability to execute, Rudy said it to their inability to execute down the stretch uh, is kind of now becoming a real big trend. I mean, they executed really well last night, right? It was Delo just kind of taking the baton by himself. But uh, yeah, it, that, 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 when you look at all the stats then and you look at how they outscored them in the paint and they shot better than them and they did all these things like the, f I know they kind of griped about the fouls at the end. I don't know what your thought yeah, was. Well, but... I, I was, I, I honestly, in the moment, didn't find it to be all that egregious no. from a from a referee standpoint. But you know, to be fair, I I never really go there in in my head, and I do think it's it obviously it's very different if you're on the floor and and you're playing in the game. I do think we we should mention just like the vibe in the locker room was pissed. Like guys, oh yeah, yeah, guys were pissed. Finch was as pissed in his post game press conference as I mean that's a top three angry. Finch after the game specifically at the ref. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, they, they're the ones playing in the game. They felt that they were wrong. Obviously the refs messed up, whatever they messed up with that Nas and Ant, like going back in, in, in time sort of thing. Someone asked Nas, like, what did you think about that? And he just straight up was like, I blame the refs. Yeah. I hope he doesn't get fined for that or gets like a percentage, but I think it was, uh, I have never, I 
don't, I, I thought about this too. I was like, I've never seen in my life points get taken off the board in a setting like that where a dude shot free throws and then the next play happened. It was like, I, I made Dane watch World Cup today. It was like if the, there was a penalty and then they just kept playing and then they went back to VAR. That was like VAR shit. I was like, I can't believe that. So the officiating was weird. But again, you look at like the fouls called, I thought the Blazers might have been called for more fouls. I mean, they got a couple more trips to the free throw line. But yeah, Finch was, I don't get to do all those post game things like you all the time, but he was, he was doing a really creative way of not getting fined. Like he was like, it was pretty impressive that a guard got to the line 15 times. Yeah. And I, I think that ties into the standings thing in a weird way, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, the vast majority of the games I've covered or the teams I've covered have been academic from a standings standpoint. Yeah, They've for- been bad teams. <laughs> and just so that there isn't, I think this group has a real awareness of what you just said about the standings, right? That um, they have expectations and that they know that they would have won. They would have been the sixth seed. And now they're the 11th seed, right? And and that the margin for error is thin and, per- and even thinner in, in Kat's absence. But it's, it's, it is a group that is really invested in this, which is not, all, again, not always the case. With 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 all Timberwolves teams, so um, tonight tonight was not the pissed off let's boo because there was no effort, right? I just I mean Anthony Edwards played forty one minutes, right? I mean and had a really good game. I mean you could I guess say back that he, back, yeah. I guess you could say that he took last night off, but like he was phenomenal. Rudy was awesome. Like Dilo was awesome. Like those guys kind of gave it their all. I just thought they ran out of gas, which led mm-hmm. to some of the poor execution stuff. But I think that is a really important point to say is that the locker room after the game was pissy. And again, we're only 26 games into this, but it was, it was like, you know, when you just, you don't get enough sleep and maybe you like don't eat breakfast and you go to work and you're just like in a sleep. Like you and I picked up from the airport today. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, like that, that's sort of what I think that group is exhausted from a road, road back to back. But like, genuinely really frustrated with having lost a game that they that they felt like they could win and i think that just that type of energy um affirms the idea that this team isn't their expectations for the season haven't changed in in carl's absence i think they think they can be a good above 500 team in his absence and then they're gonna kind of do everything we've been talking about like figure it out once carl gets back they they, I think they believe that they they can, you know, make it work. There's been no, there hasn't even been like 0.1% of this has kind of become a lost season energy. Where, which is so different than what the fan base feels, I think, broadly. Like, I think, I think a lot of the fan base does feel like it is a lost season because they've given up on the idea of the two pigs. Plus now Carl's out, like things just kind of feel like it's unraveling. And, you know, that might prove to be true. Like, we don't know. It, it might end up being like the year one of the Rudy thing didn't work for X, Y, and Z. But um, there is something to be said, at least from what I can glean from what I'm around, that I, I, I don't get that sense from the coaching staff. I don't get that sense from the front office. And I don't get that sense from, from the players in the locker room, which should, you know, keep this pretty engaging. The signature win of the season prior to last prior to Friday night against Utah was that Pacers win on the road. And that was with Carl. 
right? The signature win of now just the Gobert-centric experiment was the Utah game, right? So you woke up Saturday morning, you're in a great mood. You watch that Blazers game, you wake up Sunday morning, you're in a bad mood. I will say, and it, I, I feel cool about this because I was actually there and watched it and kind of felt the vibe. I would, we didn't really talk too much about tonight's game. I would wait to review or recap or give your opinions on tonight's game until Tuesday morning. Because I think those guys, whether it be Finch being pissed about officials or all those guys being like, we dropped one. They don't just now go to LA. Mm -hmm. They don't just go to Orlando. Like they just stick around in town and they get to play the same team on Monday. And that'll be telling. I mean, it would be telling. Like, I mean, I could, if that team comes out and gets blown up by 20, that's really telling. Mm -hmm. But I also could see them being up 18 after one, right? Being like, we know we left some meat on the bone Saturday night. We got to clean this up because when they, and I think Portland will be feeling that way too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's two sides to that coin, but I, 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 it'll be really interesting. And that's why I'm such a fan of like these little short two game playoff series is how do they respond? Everyone in that locker room to a man, including Matt Ryan, who's like my new favorite guy thought that they just kind of gave one away, even though it was a second night of a road back to back, they thought they should have won that. They were not, you know, joyous. Um, and you have an opportunity now against the same team in the same city in, you know, 36 hours to, to take it back, to take back the ropes. So, uh, I will hold my final judgment until Monday night. I will not hold my final judgment because I will be doing another podcast with, uh, Chris Hine on, uh, Sometime Monday morning, afternoon, after we go to Wolves practice that day, we'll we'll, we'll talk I, again. We'll be talking somewhat uh, about this game again, whatever else we're able to gather from the players at practice. Once maybe they've cooled down a little bit from from the loss on Saturday, Chris and I will do that pod for you. Be in your feeds sometime Monday uh, afternoon, and then they will have that game again here in Portland on Monday night. I will be here in Portland again for that. And then um, hopefully be recording on, on Tuesday morning with Britt Robson about whatever it is that we, we did see in, in that game. And yeah, like you said, Kyle, it's uh, it will be telling and it is an opportunity to kind of like prove your merit of, you know, that if you think you are even without cat, a team that's as good or better than the Blazers, like they have, they have the opportunity to do that. And I think that's an open question. I think you can make a case that even without cat, like, the Wolves and Blazers are are a pretty even match, and the Blazers aren't chopped liver, as they say. You know, right. like this is a this is a solid team, and it uh, matters. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? It's one a.m. Do you want to do an hour quick on Josh Minot, or he had twenty two, fourteen, five, and three, and zero fouls for the Iowa Wolves? No, we will we will save that we'll save that for Friday when uh, when Kyle is uh, back in the pod next Friday. Kyle, appreciate you doing it. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, until Monday with Chris, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.